Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. How do you look exactly the same? I, uh, I lost 40 pounds since I emailed you last week. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Still Watching, a weekly television podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Richard Lawson. I'm Hilary Busis. And I'm Chris Murphy. We're here to discuss the seventh episode of season two of the Max series and Just Like That, titled February 14th. And in our second segment, we'll hear from New Yorkers about what they think of and Just Like That so far. But first, a quick recap for episode 7, February 14th. Oh, that's the worst night of the year. What a lovely sentiment. Aiden responds to Carrie's email, saying that he's come to the city and invites her to dinner. Oh my god! Thursday? It's Valentine's Day! He asked you to dinner on Valentine's Day. No, he probably doesn't even know it's Valentine's Day. Facing her first Valentine's Day alone, Naya chooses not to meet up with her friends. I have the perfect evening plan. I'm going to stay at home and make myself a chocolate souffle. I'm having a me-evening. Anthony's Hot Fellas Bakery is invited to the Drew Barrymore show, but he fires any of his staff doing human growth hormones, which is all of them. This is in the Moscow Olympics. I run a clean business. Hang up your onesie and go. (laughs) So Anthony calls Charlotte for help. I can't go on the show alone. They want a hot fella wearing the hot fella's uniform. I am so screwed. Maybe not. You found fucking Romeo in a card store. Che finds a stray dog and takes it to the vet where she used to work. Hey, if you're really broke, I never cleaned out your locker. Not because I'm sentimental, because I'm lazy. Full-time? With benefits? Full-time. Plus whatever it costs to patch up this damn dog. Miranda attempts a date with Amelia, an audiobook narrator she admires, but it goes sideways. Amelia is off getting quarters to dry her flannel sheets, and I really need to pee but her freak of a cat attacked me when I went in the bathroom. Carrie, I may be different, but dating isn't. It's still a shit show. A cat shit show. Lisa Todd Wexley does not like her son's girlfriend. I was totally fine with his last girlfriend. It's just this one. She acts like he's her property or something. Charlotte unwittingly eats a pot brownie, which leads to a visit to the ER and a big realization. When I was in that ambulance, my life flashed in front of me, and I didn't like what I saw. I have got to get back 
to me. And it's not just the pot talking. Carrie's reunion with Aiden is less of a meet-cute than a nearly missed connection. I thought maybe you stood me up. I thought you stood me up. No. Mm -mm. We're on the same page. We're on the same page. Which culminates on the steps of Carrie's apartment building. I just can't do it. I... No matter how much I want to, I can't go in there again with all that. I'm never going in there again. Okay. So obviously the biggest thing that happened in this episode is, you know, I guess rock quitting fashion. No, I'm kidding. Aiden's back. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going to say the biggest thing that happened was obviously Anthony's new right-hand man, (laughs) Giuseppe. (laughs) In his shorts. That was that was definitely the biggest thing that happened. <laughs> if you're going to say that, Chris, you have to do it in a Samantha voice. You have to go, and the biggest thing and that happened. And the biggest thing that happened was Giuseppe's penis. <laughs> right hand, more Such like a- third leg. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's the writing. That's Oh, that's honey. <laughs> um, but yeah, Aiden's back. Okay, well, should we? Yeah, let's, I guess we can get right into Aiden uh, yeah. since you're such a huge fan of his, Richard. <laughs> I never liked him that much. I always thought he was kind of a drip, um, despite his lovely country house that Carrie hated. I think the big question we had when we saw Aiden in the promos for this season was like, is this a Kim Cattrall style one scene cameo? Like, how is it going to take shape? I think by the end of this episode, and really Aiden's only in two-ish scenes, um, you know, the episode ends with her saying, and just like that, Aiden and I were on the same page, which leads me to believe, and I'm sure you guys agree, that there's more to come. Oh. Yeah. He's got at least another episode or two, if if not, I mean, could he be, like, could this be a long-haul thing? I guess that's the big question. And should it be, if it... Yeah, I mean, in so many ways, this episode sort of strained credulity for me. Like, it was just sort of not based in reality in kind of a fun way. And I do think the last scene between Carrie and Aiden in front of her apartment, I was prepared for Aiden to be here for a long time. But when he sort of laid out why he couldn't go into the apartment, I was like, oh, wait, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe he will be here for just one episode. And then for the turn to come, and he was just like, well, let's get a hotel. I was like, that's silly and did not strike me as based in reality. And yet I'm glad that it looks like we'll have a longer runway with Aiden nonetheless. I guess I am curious to see where it goes, even though it seems like a terrible idea. I I don't know, especially like they broke up not once, but twice. (laughs) It was terribly, terribly messy both times. Carrie too, not coming out great either time. (laughs) Heather Graham made a face about it. Like... (laughs) There is so much history here. None of it is a good idea. Um, but I guess Carrie is really back from uh, the the precipice of grief if she is making terrible decisions again. So hats off. <laughs> I was I was appreciative that they in Aiden sort of looking like, wait, you still live in that apartment, and they mentioned that you know great episode with the the wall metaphor that he couldn't break mm. through. Um, that it would be even higher silly fantasy if none of that was acknowledged uh and yeah. it was just yes. like we're older totally. now we're we're both single by because of death and divorce and um <laughs> but i think that like the the end of the episode sets us up for more to come yes but also maybe it's very tenuous because um mm-hmm. they're at the moment just happy to see each other and happy to I mean, not happy to be single in Carrie's case, but like, you know, uh, happy to have found each other at the same moment. Um, And yet 
they can't sweep everything from their past under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. It also, I mean, yeah, Chris, to what you were saying about, uh, about levels of strange surreal mo- like she really would have waited half an hour at the wrong restaurant she would have been without out trying <laughs> seven minutes flat she would have been without out trying to figure there. out where he was she didn't have his phone number she never thought to get his phone number before agreeing to this date although it's like if you just like let yourself sort of like let it crash over you like a wave it was fun seeing her sort of like sidled up to like the maitre d you know while their bus boys going in and out charging her phone it was sort of deliciously awkward but there were so many times that i was like this is not real. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's okay. That's not necessarily, it felt like we sort of jumped into sort of a new dimension this episode with sort of every Like character. not just with Carrie, where no. else? Oh. Who else was in another dimension? Drew Barrymore? Oh my God, that is a big basket. It has all my bread selections. Big basket. Big basket. Giuseppe. He's <laughs> adorable, isn't he? True. And, uh, uh, Drew Barrymore literally from a different planet. <laughs> I a wonderful, re- beautiful planet that we all would like to visit. Would love to live wherever she lives. And it is an incredible cameo. But that whole, you know, Charlotte finding, you know, Giuseppe convincing him to then go on the Drew Barrymore show with Anthony. Uh, it just was all sort of, I was like, what? Did I miss multiple <laughs> scenes? That connect? The through line was really uh, hard for me to follow, but not unenjoyable, if that makes sense. I think that the show, you know, the Coco Chanel thing of like, before you leave the house, look in the mirror and take one thing off. It's like, Mm -hmm. did the hot, well-dressed street poet from Italy also have to have a huge dick? (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) And then also that is like the center of like a whole segment. I mean, a fun watching Drew Barrymore and Anthony sort of like talk about it on television. That was hilarious. But then that level on top of that, and then he ends up, he's, works for Anthony again, I guess, like, indefinitely, I guess, like, there was, like, it just kept getting sort of uh, more and more absurd in an entertaining, but like head scratching way. He is grating, but I did laugh at roses are red, violets are blue. If you don't say yes, I will kill myself. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. this was, yeah, this was a, uh, I've famously been anti-Anthony, but I, this was a good, this was a good Anthony episode. And even the little, like everybody walking out from his store because they all do steroids. I was like, oh, that's a little, (laughs) the writers knowing. I was like, oh yeah, these bodies are literally unintentional attainable and insane. Um, I, I think that you're right that there was a, a, a healthy amount, let's say, of surreality in the episode, partly on purpose in, in the case of Carrie, because it's like, girl, what are you doing? And also, Aiden, what are you doing? Like, this is not going to lead anywhere good, probably. Although maybe maybe the show feels differently. Maybe they've changed. I mean, the show is happier now than it was before. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I feel like it, it is it's happier. gunning for a happy ending in some degree, whether it's them together or apart. I don't think that we're going to end up with, you know, hives under a wedding dress again. Um, although, I don't know, that would be more the vibe of Anne Just Like That season one. I mean, we. I guess we haven't really <laughs> talked on this podcast much about like the the grim specter of death looming looming over the show, which is like, there's a possibility we're not getting a third season of this show. <laughs> and so maybe they, yeah, maybe they're, they're looking to wrap things up in some ways, but also speaking to the fantasy of things, I also, I appreciated the leavening balance of the Miranda plot line, which like totally burst the bubble of the fantasy. Oh yeah. And that was even sort of unreal. But again, it was, it, it's fun to see, a single Miranda and also sort of the growth of like, oh, like I'm not 35 years old anymore. Do you have to stay? You know what? I don't. 
35-year-old straight Miranda would stay. But 56-year-old lesbian Miranda wouldn't. I don't have to stay in this small cat litter filled apartment just because this hot woman invited me over. I have agency. I can leave. Even though like the specter of like the Jane Austen of it all and like wandering into a bookstore and then she's asked out on a date. I was like, okay, that's also kind of bizarre. But like Miranda Although did. Although fitting with the original show where, you know, you would like walk out your door and there would be a hot man there and like you know, give a little quip and then suddenly you'd be out to dinner with him at, you know, Sushi Samba or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It did feel of the show. And so bringing up the Miranda storyline, um, she goes home with Miriam Shore, who's an audiobook uh, narrator Shore. who has a beautiful, beautiful speaking voice and singing voice, too, but would love just like love to hear her talk. Um, I do, though, want to bring up something that uh, Sophie Gilbert, the critic at The Atlantic, wrote in her review of and just like that season two which is about the storyline um she says when one character goes home with a sexy academic only to be disgusted by their anticipated poverty um like that made really turned her off from the show so i i don't know i i think that there is definitely there's a strain in this show of just kind of you know everybody is so rich now that i do think that it's on its own like plane where there's you know it's a different echelon of society than you know, most people live in and certainly than even than most people that watch this show live in. I don't know. Does like that aspect of it great at either of you while you're watching it? Are you just willing to let the whole thing be a fantasy or are you like, why don't these women have jobs? Why don't these women like, yeah, are, are they are even less real now than they were once because they are just so rich and out of touch. I, I think that the Miriam Shore character was, coded as being successful you know i think it was more just like mm-hmm. she i mean she has like a decent sized apartment in manhattan you know <laughs> like, i mean she has a studio, studio. Yeah, yeah, but like, studio. you mm-hmm. know she's using she's using a laundry machine in the basement like she's not even sending her stuff out to get well done. okay she's not fabulously wealthy and maybe that was a part of miranda's <laughs> revulsion but i think it was uh, it, it when watching that scene which i thought was very funny and and played well by both actors my thing was more like uh it's maybe making a tired joke about like cat ladies and like single women of a certain mm-hmm. age mm. that felt meaner maybe to me than the class stuff did. But there was also the mm-hmm. Charlotte line about like, he's selling poetry for a dollar. Like you can get him for nothing. Like it was this sort of like Charlotte was like, Anthony, do you want me to buy this guy for you? <laughs> yeah. Which she does. <laughs> Which yeah. she literally yeah. does. Oh, totally. And, you know, like Rock like walks outside one time and there's a modeling agent who's like, oh, my God, we must have you for our campaign. And then like puts them on the side of a building like there there is definitely I don't know if I need them to be, you know, scraping and scrounging and trying to make it anymore like they can have made it. But it's certainly when there's not a character who isn't like them. I guess there's Che. I guess Che has money yeah. trouble. She, uh, their Airbnb that Hudson Yards apartment. They're going back to their, you know, their, their vet job. Their vet job, um, which I thought was, again, sort of just another unreal turn that was, we'd never known that about Che. And then it's like, oh, of course they've been, you know, <laughs> working. Are actually a vet tech this whole time. <laughs> a vet tech this whole entire time. I just kept being like, there's one thing at the other. Have you ever once seen a stray dog in New York City also? N- not a single, not one time, not ever. And... No. Um, but I guess, you know, kind of with the, the whole like cat litter thing with Miranda's date, like Che being super into rescue dogs, like, are we stereotyping 
non-binary queer women a little bit here in so terms of I, the animal thing. Well, I was like, okay, I was like, they had to humanize Che after Che sort of breaks up with Miranda. Um, not out of the blue, but they've been sort of, you know, uh, a little bit of a negative or villainous character in a way in terms of Miranda's life. I was like, oh, the best way to make anybody like anybody is to give them an adorable dog to, to hold that's like a Cairn Terrier. I was like, oh, this is... I, it worked a little bit on me. I was like ingratiated towards Jay. So I was like, maybe that. <laughs> Do that's you want to see more of what's going to go on at the vet's office? <laughs> if there are more cute dogs like that. <laughs> this is Jay's private practice esque spinoff of Unjust Like That. <laughs> About like, oh we'll run Look, for Audrey, nine queer dog rescue. If Audrey McDonald shows up, like, I think we're all happy. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I was surprised based on last episode. Like, I didn't think we were done, done with Che Diaz because, like, they're too much of a presence in the show's lore at this point, you know, one of the most talked about characters on the show for good or bad. Um, I didn't think they were going to go away entirely, but like, I was surprised. They're like, oh no, they're just going ahead with, maybe this is just a little like rescue plot line, har har, um, to sort of make the audience not worry about Che if they don't show back up in subsequent episodes. But like, I don't know, this episode presents a world in which Che is still very much a part of this ecosystem, which did surprise me a little bit. We don't know what's going to happen in episode eight. So we have no idea if Che's sticking around or if this is the end. And just like that. (laughs) But now I really don't know, Um, which which will which will be it's exciting. I mean, we have four more episodes, right? You know, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And that's a lot of ground to cover potentially. I mean, given the time frame of the show, maybe by the end of episode 11, we're 15 years in the future. (laughs) Who knows? It's going to be on the moon, yeah. 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 That's where Samantha's been, by the way. (laughs) In the space station. (laughs) Still watching from Vanity Fair, we'll be back in just a moment. The Run for Revogue is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am Fran Libowitz, um, who should be the mayor of New York. We all support yeah, that. Yeah, we support that. <laughs> Very nice. Nikki. Yes. It's been really great she being in this beautiful pink room. All right, Asher, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are. <laughs> On the podcast, you'll learn how Vogue really works. Sometimes we'll come in for a second or even third run through until we are... AWOK. Can you tell us what AWOK means? It means um, A-W-O-K and a winter okay. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mao. And we're the hosts of The Run Through with Vogue, where fashion and culture collide. Join us. It's AWOK. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. We're now in the back half of this season, um, and we have the reintroduction of of Aiden. We have, I don't know, Charlotte being fired sort of by her child as their manager. 
um, we have Miranda getting back in the dating world. Like, where do you hope these characters are going and will end up by the end of the season? I hope that Nia Wallace is going to a different show <laughs> where they give her something to do. Other than eat cake and or souffle and listen to Ari Lennox. Delicious. There must be a glitch in my phone. I'm ready for the switch to turn me on. Yeah, I mean... I understood why they had to, you know, they they had to show all these different relationships of Valentine's Day, right? Because I guess the uni- unifying theme of this episode was Valentine's Day. So it had we, a unifying theme. It had a unifying theme, and there's getting stood up potentially, and then there's going on a bad date, and then there's also, you know, being happy to be alone and single, and that was Naya, right? Which is not the most interesting storyline that <laughs> could be given to a Karen Pittman. So I also yeah. was sort of like frustrated by that. And then you I also- I love the, the glimpse we got of her two other friends. Yeah. So it's just like, by the way, Naya has friends. Naya Here has they friends. are, bye. Um, but yeah, that again, the filling in the blanks like that, it's just not, there's just not enough there. And then we have Seema who's like the defiant, like who, you know, sort of doing a very classic, I don't want to say tired, but very much like, oh, uh, like Valentine's Day is on a holiday. Like single people deserve- you know, respect to, which again, you had to have that perspective or I understand why they wanted to put that perspective in and using Seema to Again, do the that. very relatable plot line of I can't use my expensive gift card at the <laughs> yeah. spa. Even though they could have just done it again, they could have just like, why would they not have just done just it, in done the it same together? Room? Why? Yeah, it's, a like, couple's <laughs> massage means that there's two people on tables in the same room. That's it. You don't have it. to have sex. <laughs> no, not at all. You could have just, and they could talk again. I guess I kept sort of like pulling my hair out this episode because I, I've been so enjoying the show and it's felt sort of, you know, at least some sort of a base reality, right? And this just sort of went in so many different directions at one time. And it does sort of worry me because I don't really see where, beyond Carrie and Aiden and will they, won't they, I don't really see what the dramatic tension of the show is. Like, I'm happy Charlotte's maybe going to like get back to work. I think that would be interesting. And then she had a sort of a kooky way of like, you know, eating a pop brownie, which the second she had a you know, a bite of that brownie, I was like, okay, she's going to be high. And that sort of, you know, that was pretty, uh, you could paint by numbers there. Um, Miranda, like dating again, that is exciting. But again, I'm not really sure where, what the dramatic sort of like tension is. She just had the big blow up with Steve. She broke up with Che. Um, And then Carrie and Aiden, I am a little... I, I'm nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous. I for think the what you're questioning, which is the right thing to question, is like, what are the arcs here? Like, yeah. you know, uh, the, the best seasons of the original show, Sex and the City, like, yes, they were standalone, discrete episodes, but usually the characters had some sort of journey over the course of a season, whether it was Miranda deciding to be with Steve or Carrie deciding to be with whoever. Like, there was some sort of journey for at least some of the characters in every season. And I don't really see that coming into play yet and we're at the end of episode seven miranda is a good example where it's like that's a fascinating thing for her to be exploring honestly i have no idea it was che that i was drawn to and they're non-binary it's not like i was married to steve and fantasizing about brady's friend drew's hot mom but you pulled that name up pretty quickly well she's clearly hot everyone knows that is she single you don't even know if she's gay you don't even know if you're gay. And as your very good friend for over 25 years, I just think you should figure it out so that you can find love again. And then it feels like it was resolved two scenes later. And it's like, that could have been multiple episodes. Like Miranda goes on a date with a guy again and it's terrible. Maybe that's coming. I don't know. But like, it feels like that was very tidily wrapped up when it's like, but that could have been actually Miranda's story for the whole season. Yeah, I think that there's more to explore there. 
And while, you know, the Miriam short, you know, it was, it was fun. I do think that could propel us into, you know, the final sort of third of the season. Um, and I hope that they haven't, you know, wrapped that in a bow as well, because Miranda's sexuality is in some, so many ways a little bit underexplored in terms of like, it went, you know, from Steve to Che and then not necessarily back again, but we're in a potentially new place that could be dramatically fruitful. And also funny. <laughs> but Miranda hates that lesbians have cats. So, you know. Um, well, you know, I think it was weeks ago, Chris, I think you're the one who said it. And I don't, I don't know, if, maybe it was in the promo that you saw or something. But like, didn't you hint that there was some sort of thing possibly that was going to develop between Lisa Todd Wexley's son and Lily uh, saw- Goldenblatt? Or did you just say you wanted that to happen? I wanted, I thought it would be Brady, but Brady is gone. Oh, right, that's right. Brady you thought it was Brady, gone. that's right. I thought it was yes. Brady, and yeah. I thought that maybe the, like, one of the trailers may have, like, hinted at that. But, um, I, get, but Brady's gone, and, like, the Lisa Todd Wexley, Brady's again, gone. He's <laughs> gone, that's totally fine. Um, I thought- Brady's healing, hopefully, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Get it, yeah, absolutely. I could definitely see at Lisa Todd Wexley's, I mean, because it seems like- He's pre-engaged Herbert Jr. to uh, Baxter, uh, a very uh, comfortable girl in Lisa Todd Wexley's home, which I thought that had like a kind of a fun button. I thought that it might be like, oh, like Lisa Todd Wexley doesn't want Herbert, her son, dating, you know, this white girl or something like that. I thought that's where it was maybe heading. It's sort of surprising (laughs) that the show didn't go there. It's sort of surprising. And I was sort of, it's more interesting, I thought, that it went to, oh, no, she's like really felt way too comfortable taking, you know, in, and territorial and uh, taking photos in her closet. I was like, okay, that's a little fun turn. I'm just saying this episode made it very clear that Lily, who was like red, like ready to have sex with her boyfriend last episode, is now single. And it's like, yes. maybe a little teen romance is, <laughs> is what this show needs. We didn't know it. It's mostly about women of a certain age, yes, but like... I don't know. I think that there, there's something about like the way this episode was like, no, Lily's single now. And Lisa Todd Wexley doesn't like Herbert Jr.'s girlfriend. Like, I don't know. And I mean, that is that is the next stage for like a, a revival show is, you know, you got to find a way to make like Sex and the City Babies happen. Right. Yeah. The next gen. It worked so well for, for, for Fuller House that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuller House was on for like five And seasons. I watched every single episode so that's so funny <laughs> it is still fun on this show to uh, point out the locations that you recognize i was gratified to see that uh naya and miranda went to books or magic which is the store that they would be going to i think if they were going on a walk from 100%. their brooklyn heights apartment i could walk there in about 10 minutes right now if i just got up and left <laughs> which maybe i'll do bye um no that, that was that was nice location but speaking of locations back to the aiden mix-up date you know we have the classic il cantonori el cantonoro mix-up from the original show um which i guess they were maybe trying to echo a little bit with this restaurant confusion but like you both live in new york have you ever been like hey meet me at this restaurant here's the address not the name of the restaurant <laughs> that, that that felt a bit strained i guess and that she gave a name to the Mater D, and that he wasn't like, no, I don't have that. I don't have a reservation under that name. He was just like, come on down. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was Valentine's Day, and they weren't very booked. Oh, but actually, going going back to the uh, unreality, um, so Aiden texts Carrie eventually, um, and she goes to meet him next door at the right restaurant. He texts her from a 575 area code. Do you know where 575 is? Tell us. Couldn't tell you. New Mexico. Carrie said he lives in Virginia. Oh, I guess that's fair. I was like, he's got like a Mesa vibe. I could see him like woodworking in New Mexico, but he, she did say that he lives in Virginia. Mm. 
it's possible he grew up in New Mexico, I guess, but he's not young enough to have gotten a cell phone in the like place where he grew up and then kept that number for the rest of his life. I mean, you know, he's a journeyman. Um, he was actually, <laughs> I was surprised by how welcome, uh, like, he felt on the show. Like, I think sometimes nostalgia cameos yeah, on this show or other shows like Fuller House <laughs> are, are a bit, like, awkward and sort of unpleasant and janky. And you're just like, all right, like, everyone a clap for the guy you recognize from the old days. But in this case, like, Corbett still got it in all manner. And um, he always represented a sort of ease for Carrie that she was allergic to, quite literally, in the aforementioned wedding dress scene. Um that like maybe she's ready for and like I feel equally ready to have a little John Corbett back in this world because I don't know I feel like with all of the new characters and everything a little bit of the old familiarity goes a long way I'm finding I don't know yeah and his energy too is so different from anyone else on the show really um and also just because I mean it's it's really about women and and um and then we have Che, you know, a non-binary character. Um, having, like, a familiar guy who isn't Anthony, I don't know, there's something... Uh, it just shook it up a little bit in a, like, it tonally, in a, in a very tonally sort of crazy episode. He felt sort of familiar. And again, grounding. I was like, okay, I bought their chemistry. I bought them, you know, sort of flirting and having their meet cute at the Red uh, Booth restaurant. Um in a way that felt like welcomingly familiar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. I'm not going to write it off just yet, even as an on the record, Aiden, anti Aiden person. Yeah. What, why were you anti Aiden Hillary? Because Richard, let me tell you. Um, so I don't think that Aiden's a bad guy. I do think he's a bit of a drip. I think he's, you know, if I met him, I don't think I would have very much to talk to him about, but I definitely think that he was just wrong for Carrie and that he never really wanted Carrie as she was, as like the messy kind of terrible, like, uh, you know, quirky person that she actually was. He wanted to change her. And that is why she never really wanted to be with him in the long term, because he, you know, wanted somebody who like didn't smoke and who liked going to the country to his house that doesn't have like running water and mm. who just wants to stay in with him all night and not go out with Murray Bartlett. Like, I, I think that they just didn't go well together and they brought out the worst in each other. And also, yes, she was terrible to him. We cannot forget that she cheated on him and then she broke up with him after he proposed. Yes. She um, did. But he was really mean to her. Like, the second before they got back together, he was really mean to her. He was, like, vindictive. And, yeah, yeah like, the when he was, you know, trying to make her jealous with that, like, female bartender. I, it's really upsetting how clearly I remember every <laughs> detail of this show. <laughs> um, I'm seeing that now. But, you know, he tried to hurt her because she had hurt him, which is an understandable impulse. But it's a terrible foundation for a relationship. And like once things were ruined between the two of them, like they could not be repaired and they both should have seen that. And like he was the injured party, but he then, you know, treated her in a way that was bad, even despite what she did to him. So those are my points. They were wrong for each other from the start. But then the second time they got together, it was he was just he was just so shitty. And like, why would she put herself through that? I know she felt guilty, but like. Huh. 
and he's not worth that. And I agree with you on all those points, Hillary. But like from a much narrower perspective of like the interests of and just like that, or at least my interest in the show is I loved the one off Carrie dating episode. I want more of that. I don't need to hurt to settle back into another legacy relationship that is going to have to unearth the past and, you know, discuss how that is in conversation with the present. And like, that's interesting stuff. But we've had that in a way. And I just I want like Carrie to be single, wild, going on weird dating misadventures. And I really, really want her single when she goes to the Hamptons with Seema. <laughs> oh, that that's a great true. point. Because uh, he's going to be so annoying about Maybe it. Maybe that's why they break oh, up. Yeah. He's like, you're going where? And then she's like, it's over <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, I'm actually not going to trade the Hamptons house for you. I feel like now that they've set up, they're like, they're putting, you know, as one relationship ends, Miranda and Shay, it's like, now we got Carrie and Aiden back. And now maybe Miranda's the one who's going to go on these, as we saw this episode, these sexual misadventures and, you know, be having these one-off relationships, which so I would... she can go to the she can go to the Hamptons with Seema. She can discover whatever <laughs> queer scene exists out there drive to then fire island yeah. and get a <laughs> i want an episode that ends with miranda like on the ferry to fire island with like a hopeful <laughs> smile on her face <laughs> that would be a fitting end we'll be right back after a short break hi i'm jeremy larson the reviews director of pitchfork and this podcast is supported by pitchfork music festival Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Luna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. just like that on HBO Max? If you remember way back to the very first episodes of Sex and the City, there were man-on-the-street interviews with New Yorkers. We thought we'd try the same. But instead of asking their thoughts on love and dating, we asked what people thought of and just like that. Here's a sample of what our producer, Will Coley, found. So what do you think about it so far? Um, definitely liking the second season better. I don't know, but I'm real mad at Miranda. Thank you. I have been trying to find I, somebody. I am like Justice for Steve all the way. I don't, I think that they've messed with his storylines too much since the series. Like even in the movies, I was like, Steve wouldn't cheat. This is wrong. They've done him wrong. <laughs> Are you caught up with watching him? Uh, I think so. Did you see the bomb cyclone? Yes. Oh my God. The snow fashion. I was living. See, that's like, those were the moments I was like, this is why we love the show. Because Pat Field gave us looks. She's a Samantha. You're <laughs> a Samantha? Her no, I'm not. Um, no, you know, just kidding. You never know, but she could be something else. You know, sometimes I feel like a Charlotte. I think everyone's a little of one of them, you know. Yeah. And I love seeing them older because I feel like they don't typically, TV shows don't have a cast that's like older women typically. So I love to see that. And I watch it with my mom because she watched it back when it first came out. Out of everyone, I am LTW. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, honestly, fast forward to hopefully we can get a winter storm in New York 
city this winter because I have an outfit to serve the same way LTW did. One little storm is not going to stop my, my vibe. And I'm bringing the wig with me. <laughs> Vuitton hat box. All right. No, she's everything. She's everything. Hands down. That's um, probably uh, my favorite character, but also well done to like the writers like, and the casting director. Right. Um, for creating LTW. I see a lot of myself in her. Well, for the past, what, six seasons when it was on before, we rarely saw a fucking woman of color. And then when you got one, you know, it was Jennifer Hudson as Carrie, uh, entitled Carrie's <laughs> assistant, right? Um, and so now they're bringing in diversity in this landscape and not just giving you people that work for these three wealthy white American women, right? You're bringing in bad black excuse my French, or don't excuse it, bad black bitches that are living on the atrocious Upper East Side but have style and grace and charisma, right? Is it fair to give an opinion? I mean, New Yorkers have opinions. Why do I have to have actually seen it to give an opinion? Well, you saw one episode, so you're better at that. I just think it was great in its day. Like, it was super avant-garde and, like, timely and just contemporary, and now it just... They're all dressed up in some ridiculous outfits. The... Yeah, part of it was the fashion and felt edgy, and now it just feels craven. What do you mean by craven? Like, like, do they really need to keep flogging a dead horse? This is, they did this, like, 30 years, it was the 90s, 30 years ago. They've done how many movies? Two, three. Like, haven't they milked enough money from it? Like, isn't it more interesting creatively to do something else? Like, give it up. It's just finished. It was done a long time ago. It's just done. Um, I feel this show is more about diversity than ever. Um, all are welcome, right? And yeah, I do feel like sometimes the story doesn't add up very well compared to the original, but I do have a lot of emotions connected to the show and the characters that I still want to enjoy watching it. But you're not upset about Miranda and Steve? Yeah, you know, she has to be who she is and be happy, right? And I'm, I'm sorry that their marriage you know, broke down, but um, that's life. <laughs> the great, the new characters are great. You I like love. Shay? Um, I like Shay without Miranda. I think she's great. This last episode with her and Carrie, I think they've got a great dynamic together. I, I mean, I, I love the introduction of non non-binary character. I think she's a great actress. I just don't like that couple because Miranda was her own, and she's changed with Shay. So. What's missing is more shots of the city because that was a big part of the show as well in the past. You know, because we loved watching Sex and the City and it was, City was one of the characters, so. I don't love it. I, like, watched the first episode and I just feel like it's not the same vibe as it used to be, you know? Um, well, you know Aiden's coming back. Shut up, he is. Oh, really? Yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> Maybe I will watch it. I love Aiden. <laughs> he was the best. Well, I've, I've seen the, the one that's coming next week. Wow, maybe I should get caught up. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't know. But, uh, so you're Team Aiden? I'm Team Aiden. I'm just Team That Actor, too. Like, I love him. Everything about him. Um, yeah, no, he was better. But he, Carrie didn't treat him right. And now I'm just, I'm waiting for Aiden. We're waiting for Aiden. We need to know. She hit send on that email, so. Why do you like Aiden? <laughs> you know, I might be because I love him for me. He would have been my choice. A man who's going to, like, actually do home improvements and all that stuff. Like, yes, keep him. 
<laughs> One of the hosts is saying that they thought he wasn't very nice to Carrie when they broke up. Who, Aiden? What do you mean he wasn't nice? I don't know. Like, I of course remember. he wasn't nice. He's terrible. <laughs> she treated him terribly. I appreciate that we have someone who is messy and, like, beautiful that we can kind of, like, I guess stick by anyway. But sometimes she's, like, not a good friend either. And how big a fan are you of Sex and the City and Just Like That? I mean, it's part of my DNA. It's part of my DNA. End of conversation. You just heard from an array of voices from Manhattan. Brianna Hunter, Brandon Coleman, Liz, Adriana, Benjamin Wong, Colleen Casey, Christine Connolly, and Marissa Saldivar, who's actually from Sacramento. We want to hear what you are thinking about and just like that. Please send us your impressions, questions, or concerns via an email or a voice memo. Send it to stillwatchingpod at gmail.com, and we might share it in a future episode. Still Watching will be back in just a moment. And when we return, the fabulous fashions and the not-so-glamorous looks. And finally, we're at the part of the show where we talk about the clothes in our recurring segment, Killer Looks and Fashion Roadkill. I certainly have my pick for Roadkill of the Week, but I'm curious to hear if either of you have a highlight or a lowlight. My my highlight uh, is LTW's uh, Valentine's Day fit, which is like Cruella de Vilcor, <laughs> I want to say. She's got like... All red. This amazing all red like feather boa. I, I mean, I don't know where one would buy this if not like... I don't know, a, a costume Frederick's store, of Hollywood. a very expensive costume. Yes, exactly. Um, maybe she got it at the same time that she got the uh, George Washington right. outfit. Um, but yeah, I just I just thought it was really fun. It was insane, but very fun. And she pulled it off. Okay, that's so funny. I Mine was a sort of not even a blink and you missed it, but it was at the very beginning. Um, and I sort of, I'm of two minds of it, but Miranda's sort of big sort of sweater that she's wearing when they're at um, lunch uh, in the first scene with Carrie. It's sort of white and like maybe like Afghani and like just like sort of a, a big fashion moment for Miranda. I've been interested. And I thought Miranda looked great when she got all dolled up for her disappointing cat litter date. She did yeah. look good. Oh, Look at you. I see someone has finally declared a major in hot mama. She did, she looked really good and has a very Miranda, like sort of appropriate outfit. So I'd say I'd give Miranda my props this week for... Although, I don't know. It is it is very, uh, maybe a little too presumptuous to go out on a first date in that look. Like, I feel like that's just like a lot of dress. I probably would have worn pants. True. But, <laughs> but on Valentine's Day, I understand. I was like, eh? I, I got... I was like, okay, I get why she like... You know, she got a little. You want to make an effort. Yeah, she's out of practice. She overdressed. It's fine. Um, <laughs> overthought it. Classic Miranda overthought. I loved it. Carrie's sweatshirt in the opening scene. I thought the whole opening and just like that scene with her getting the email was really well done with the street noise outside and her like immediately shutting the computer. She looked great and mm. casual. We've talked about her casual wear in this this season, but um, I would have to say, roadkill wise, Carrie wearing jeans that could only be described as enormous. Alongside a huge striped coat with a different pattern striped sweater, uh, when she went to the uh, and a page boy cap, <laughs> when, when she went to mm-hmm. the massage parlor, I think with uh, or the spa, excuse me, with um, with Seema, that was a rough look. I mean, I like that they get experimental with Carrie. Like it's that's part of the fun is when the look is a little insane. But this one was a lot insane. I thought. 
it felt like she was too sort of on trend too with the big pants. Like I don't know if Carrie like it felt a little not like Gen Oh, you don't Z. think that Carrie would be trying to emulate, you know, she's gonna just find the biggest pants that she can in order to be I'd like to think of her as a little bit more of an individual like like she creates mm-hmm. the trends, right? Like she's like she's the one who's um setting the tone for culture in New York, if you will. So like seeing her do sort of like somewhat Gen Z cosplay, I didn't I also didn't love that, Richard, mm. with the big pants. <laughs> That is fair. Do you do you guys want to classify the uh, hot fellas uniform as either a killer look or a fashion roadkill? When Giuseppe is wearing it, it is literally a killer look. <laughs> he could run me over. Was a uh, he look. could make me roadkill. Um, <laughs> I also <laughs> like Giuseppe's post Barrymore sweater, turtleneck, gorgeous like camel coat. Like that. He, I mean, he's he dresses well um, for mm-hmm. a you know dollar yeah. a poem poet. Yeah, that was uh, that was like what's that what's that movie where uh, Alicia Vikander is sad by the ocean and oh, everybody's wearing the sweaters? The Life Between Oceans, so a great sweater movie. Not yes. not a good movie in all <laughs> yes. other ways, but, but a good sweater movie. But a great, no, but a great sweater, sweater, sweater movie. movie. That's that's the vibe I was getting. Yeah. Yes. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Still Watching. As ever, you can find me on Twitter at Rylas R I L A W S. And you can find me on Twitter at Christress, C-H-R-I-S-T-R-E-S-S. And you can find me at Hillabuster with two R's. And I'm glad that we're not pretending like we're going to get off Twitter <laughs> yeah. anymore. That lasts yeah. a couple weeks. We're in it for the long haul. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Still Watching from Vanity Fair. Our producer this week is Will Coley, and we had production help from Peyton Hayes. We had technical assistance from Jake Loomis. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Alexis Quadrado. We'll be back next Thursday for episode eight. Looking forward to seeing you then. You're interviewing me because (laughs) I am a fan of the series. So of course I'm all caught up. Are you kidding me? Thursdays, it's like, (laughs) honestly, want to just take off from work on Thursday (laughs) to wake up, watch the show and just watch it for like six times uh, during that day. You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.